Welcome into the bullpen, February 17th, 2021. We are back after a little bit of a longer hiatus than we would like. Welcome back to the episode number four of Views from the Bullpen. Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and just jump right into it. We got uh, Around the Horn. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start. Um, first thing I wanted to talk about today, so we've already put it out that we're Braves fans, we're ex-baseball players, we like baseball, so let's start off with some baseball and specifically some Braves baseball. Um, first of all, uh, pitchers and catchers reported today, I believe, yes, which is awesome. That means baseball is right around the corner. I always love whenever pitchers and catchers report. Uh, but beyond that, let's talk a little bit more about the placement of the Braves, what people are projecting the Braves to do. Uh, obviously in the, uh, division, we have seen a lot of trades, a lot of pickups on free agency, not as much for the Braves, but I I realized that Washington won the world series not too long ago. But we were a better team than Washington. They got hot at the right time. I think the Braves, everybody's trying to catch up to the Braves. And I think that national media is just seeing like, well, well, the Braves aren't that good. Well, they're the same team as last year, really. I mean, they've lost a few key spots. And I still think that they need to pick up one more thing, one more bat. But... I mean, these guys are delusional with what they're picking the Braves to do. Uh, as far as the Pecota, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, they projected the 2021 uh, NL East, and this was their projection. So they have the Mets winning the East. Uh, they have a 77% chance to win the East. With 95 wins. They think that the Mets are going to get 95 wins. So them picking up a few things is going. I thought the Mets were going to be decent last year. I thought they were. I thought they uh, they fought hard. I, they still weren't the team that they, you know, that's going to win anything. But they were the team that stole some wins from some good teams. Uh adding some stuff. I don't know if it makes them 95 wins good. Uh, It could. Uh, They had a lot of injuries last year. But anyways, moving on, Washington. They have Washington second. And let's be honest, the media loves the Washington Nationals. No matter what, the Washington Nationals are winning the East before every year. Like, known... As far as I've been watching the Braves, the... Before every season, the Nationals are going to win the season or going to win the division. And how many times has it happened? Not a lot. Um, then they have the Phillies third with 83 wins. So the Nationals were picked to have 85 wins. So that's just saying that they're, they're thinking that the Mets are going to win the division by 10 games, which is it's just insurmountable, like stupid. Um, the Phillies, like say third, they have a seven point four percent chance to win the division. 
And then rounding up at, at fourth, we have the Braves with 82 wins, and they have a 5.4% chance to win the East when they've won the East the past three years. But, I mean, it's stupid. Like, nobody's been that – I mean, it's been somewhat close, but, I mean, by five games out, we've got it. I mean, we've wrapped it up. So, I mean, it's not – it's not anything to really worry about. You know, we're picked 82 wins. And, well, I don't know. That maybe they need more fact checkers. Maybe they need more people that know baseball. Because in the past three years, uh, they've picked the Braves in 2018 to only win 76 games and to place fourth. Uh, we ended up winning 90 games that year and finished first in the NL East. Uh, in 2019, 84 wins is what they projected us, and placing third, we had 97 wins and finished first in the NL East. In 2020, they projected us 83 wins and to finish third, uh, we had 35 wins because of the shortened season, but we finished first yet again so this isn't really much to really uh hang your hat on i guess but i mean come on how many years are we gonna do this in a row i mean if i'd done my job this crappy i would get fired um another stat i want to pull off of is the fan graphs stat that the mlb posted of the 2021 uh placements and percentages to win their division they have the Mets winning the east too so maybe the Mets are our biggest target I don't know they came out of nowhere just picking up a few people granted they're really good people but does it make them that much better than us I don't see it they have them at 81.2 percent chance to win the east uh and then they have so I don't know where they're getting these percentages but then they have the Braves at 67.8% chance to win the East. Uh, then the Nationals, and then the Phillies, and then the Marlins. So Marlins, same story this year. You know, they're still rebuilding. But uh, Braves fans listening, uh, we're, we're picked to be down every year. Uh, we're picked to be second, third, fourth every year. Uh, would I like to see the Braves get one more thing? Yes. But do I think they need it to necessarily win the East? No. I think they need it to win a, a World Series. I think that's how close we are. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know I rambled for a little bit. What do you got to say about it, Joe? Well, look, I mean, you're bringing back what could be the best rotation in the National League this year. Young too, in in Max Freed, Mike Soroka, Ian Anderson, and then a hodgepodge of the fourth and fifth starters, um, which may not end up, which may end up not being the best in the National League because of those two, those back end two starters. But let me go back to the Pakota analytic. Pakota stands for Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization Test Algorithm. All right, and so what this supposedly does, it forecasts the records of teams and how they will finish 
uh, in their respective divisions um, in that uh, algorithm. All right. Mm. It is, it, and again, it according to Baseball pros, Prospectus, it projects players and team performance. So, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know what goes, what all goes into that, but I mean, I just don't, I just don't see. How you how you look at this lineup of Acuna? We'll put Freddie second. Yeah. All right. Ozuna third. Somebody hitting fourth or somebody hitting third and Ozuna fourth. Right. Probably Darno. See, I, that's where I would oh, yeah, like Darno. another. That's where I would like another bat. But go ahead. Yeah. So then, anyway, anyway, excuse me. Acuna, Freddie, Ozuna, Darno, Albies sixth. Um, Probably going either Dansby or Austin Riley or Austin Riley, seventh and eighth, and then ninth would be your pitcher or, I mean, depends on if we have DH or not. It's a pitcher this year. Is it? Yes. This okay. Year is a pitcher. So pitcher. Yes. And there, you, there you go. I, and I, Max Freed can hit. So yes, Soroka can hit. Can swing it pretty well for yeah. a pitcher. Yeah. So I. I just don't see that lineup getting less than ninety wins. I'm, I'm, I just don't see it. And going back to the Met, going back to the Mets point, they did pick up Francisco Lindor, which is probably which the best, is a big bat, probably. probably the best shortstop now in in the National League. Yeah, um, maybe outside of a guy we'll talk about in a little bit, Dansby Swanson. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But from San Diego. Yeah. But um, yeah. I mean. It's it's crazy. And like you said, it's crazy that they've done this more than once, they being the media, more than once out of the last five five or so years. I'd be fired. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would be too. And I would expect to be fired. Yeah, definitely. I would say, yes, sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'd tuck my tail and walk away. I'm sorry for being this wrong this many times. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're weathermen. Yeah. But anyways, next topic. All right, next topic. Um, I saw this in the news or, uh, this past week. Um, Jimmy G possibly going back to New England. All right, there's been a lot of, and I, I know we talked about this when Matt Stafford got traded to the uh, the Rams. That there was some rumblings that the Niners aren't happy with Garoppolo. I don't know who they would trade for if they were to send him to New England, um, because there's not a lot of pieces on that offense. Um, that I think San Francisco would like. Yeah. Maybe outside of Sony Michelle, but Sony's had injuries and that and you know, the Niners kind of already have their running back. They have a good stable. And Raheem Mostert, but yeah. um Oh Mustard. Yes, yeah, but then there's not really much on that defense uh, either uh, outside of Stephon Gilmore. And I don't think the New England's going to get rid of Stephon Gilmore either. So, I don't know who who it is unless it's a young interior defensive uh, offensive lineman, excuse me, that they could trade for. But I really don't. Even if you're uh, even if you're unhappy with your current quarterback, I don't know why you would trade your current quarterback to somebody else for an interior offensive lineman and a couple of picks. I think you've got to get more than that. But I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, I just my thing is like I think New England. I think Jimmy G to New England. I think it's a. That's a decent, sexy thing to happen. Uh, and when I say sexy, I just mean like appealing to the eyes. 
Uh, but I was sort of under the impression and my opinion was I thought maybe New England might steal a quarterback in the draft. Uh, I don't think they want like a Justin Fields or, you know, I don't think they get the kid from BYU, old Zach Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Uh, I mean, if you're if you're but, New England and you take a quarterback in the draft, it has to be Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson, or the kid from North Dakota State. Uh, one yeah. of those three. It can't be. It can't be anybody else. But see, and I, I don't think any of those really though are the type of quarterback that Bill Belichick wants. Yeah. Uh, I think. I don't know. I think they might. The thing is, is like I thought Cam Newton in a Bill Belichick offense would be sort of scary. And it might have just been Cam Newton's a little crazy now and not as good as he once was. But him, I don't know. I've The, the way I'm going with this is Justin Fields is Cam Newton. I don't know mentally, but talent – and everything, Justin Fields is Cam Newton. Uh, and I've known that since Georgia was recruiting him and everything. Heck, he was on Cam Newton's seven-on-seven team. Yeah. Cam Newton has a team, and he was Cam Newton was a coach, and he coached Justin Fields. And really, if you watch Justin Fields, he shows a lot of traits that Cam Newton did. But anyways, back to the topic of New England. Yeah, I think I think Jimmy G going there would be sort of cool reuniting. Yeah. And I think uh, he he could do some good. I don't know if it gets them to where they want to be, but you know we'll see. And one thing that you brought up about getting a quarterback in the draft, you could see where the Niners could trade away Garoppolo to a, to one of those teams that's in front of them in the draft. Say maybe a Carolina, Atlanta, yeah, um, oh, maybe not Atlanta, but one of those teams that need a quarterback. Um, I hope Atlanta does. that would take Garoppolo, right? Yeah. So then you move up in the draft to get a Trey Lance, a, a, a Zach Wilson, uh, a, a Justin Fields. You know, yeah. So they could do something like that. I think Justin Fields going to the Forty ers would be scary. Yeah, but again, I, that's just something that I wanted to throw out there and. Um. Yeah. Just kinda and jump. we will eventually talk about draft talk. Uh. Of, of course, you can tell that we're excited about it, and we've got a lot of opinions and uh, insight about it. But yeah. Uh, moving on. Mm-hmm. So moving on. Uh, we all know that my favorite coach ever is Gus Malzahn. Uh. Of course, I say that facetiously. Uh. But, yeah, I'm not a huge Gus Malzahn fan. But let's talk about this because some big news happened. Uh, He's going to UFC, as he says. Uh, No, he's going to UCF, uh, which is, in my opinion, well, let's just, uh, I want to see what what you have to say about that first, and then I will tell you what I have to say about it. It's interesting. Um, I don't know if it'll work. Because, I mean, so UCF does have not the same standard that that Auburn has, but 
or excuse me, expectations that Auburn has, but it's definitely similar. Um, because let's face it, UCF is not getting to a national championship, and I don't. And honestly, until Gus Malzahn won his national championship, I don't think Auburn was looking for a national championship. Well, and Gus wasn't really going to get to another natty after that either. Exactly. So, and that's why he lost his job. Yeah, and so in that respect, I think UCF and Auburn has that same kind of expectations. Um, I think the expectation, to be clear, I think the expectation is to win the conference and get to a New Year's Six Bowl. I think he could eventually – if so – I'm not saying that a team like UCF couldn't get into the Natty. Like, I know that's a whole nother topic with UCF and the Natty and everything. Uh, but I think if they prove themselves year after year, I think if they schedule maybe some tougher games, even if, like, you schedule, like, a, like a, an Arkansas or – like somebody in the ACC, like Wake Forest, or just a bigger team that you know so you can you you can play off of. Oh, they're an ACC team. They're an SEC team. Yeah, they might suck in the ACC or SEC, but that's a bigger name team that you can put on your resume. And I think you could eventually get to that, but that's all on Gus and scheduling. Um, my opinion on it, I think that UCF slam dunked on a hire. I think it's, I think they upgraded. Yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, UCF really, I think that they really done a good service. I really didn't see this coming. No, if I were to put a grade on it, it would be an A minus a B plus. Yeah. Because I mean that they're at this point in the season with your with your head coach and A D going to Tennessee, at this point in this in the off season, it's that's pretty much the best you could do. Maybe outside of Tom Herman, but Tom Herman is doesn't have I'd that. rather have Gus Miles on than Tom Herman. Not only that, Tom Herman doesn't have the same type of offensive mentality in, in mind that Gus Malzahn does. No. And and Gus here's the thing on Gus is his offense works. It's simple. It's high school. He's a high school coach. He is I'm not saying he's bad, but it does sort of get annoying playing against it because it's really gimmicky. Yeah. And it, I mean, but anyways, as far as Gus goes, it's, it's a downgrade, of course, but to be where you were and to sort of be in the position you were to go to UCF, I think was a lot better outlook than what people were giving him. I think, People were like, oh, he'll go be a coordinator somewhere or he'll go be an analyst somewhere, you know, like Nick Saban hires all those analysts. I didn't think he was going to Alabama. Well, uh, I was about to say, if you're an assistant for Nick Saban, the only bad thing is when you get a head coaching job and you you, you lose to him every time. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, I even heard murmurs of Georgia hiring him as a as a not an assistant. What's the word? Analyst. An analyst. Shoo. Yeah. But the thing about it is that would never happen because I don't think him and Kirby get along. Uh, and very understandably, I think they're two totally different people. Yeah. But 
Uh, I think it's a good hire. And Dad, my father, pointed out something to me last night or two nights ago, whenever it happened, uh, that I really didn't think about. He was. He said, "Think about Tennessee." He was like, "They hired Heupel, and then UCF got Gus Malzahn, and Gus Malzahn's the better coach." And I was thinking, you know, that you're right. Uh, I think you know, Gus, Gus has beaten Alabama. Yeah. Gus, uh, if if I don't think Gus gets Tennessee to where Tennessee wants to be still. I don't think there's a coach out there right now that would have done that. And we've talked about that, but he would have been a better hire than Josh Heupel. Uh, But that's what I'm saying. I think UCF definitely slam dunk on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, So going on to the uh, next topic, one more football topic. Uh, I just want to talk real quick. Maybe the, or maybe what could be the best fit for J.J. Watt at this point. Uh, not only at this point in his career, but at this point in the uh, offseason. He just got released by the Texans and has been rumored to go to about a, a dozen teams at this point, um, including most most um, notably the Packers, Titans, um, Cardinals. Cardinals, 49ers, uh, th- those types of teams. And so I just wanted to see what you thought of would be the um, best fit for him. And also uh, the Buffalo Bills, which would be very scary um, for the rest of the AFC. Uh, go ahead. As far as the best fit, I think, dude, J.J. Watt fits with anybody. I mean, anybody needs a J.J. Watt. And that's what – I mean, I, I know that's a really broad – like that's not the answer you want. Uh, but like, even he said, he was like, you know, uh, that he said that free agency, he was like, this is wild. And I mean, and we said it earlier. Yeah. It's wild for him because who wouldn't want a JJ Watt? Mm-hmm. Uh, if he can stay healthy, dude, he can lock down by himself. Like, you got any other defensive lineman on there that's worth their weight? Like, he's going to take up double blockers. And if he's not, then he's getting sacks or getting tackles in the backfield. Yeah, Just he, like Aaron Donald. Yeah, even at this stage in his career, J.J. Watt still demands a double team um, from that offensive line. And that takes away from the rest, obviously, from the rest of your defensive line. Um, so that you can maybe get back, get to your quarterback or get to the opposing quarterback uh, with somebody else. Um, in my opinion, I see the Packers being a good fit. I hope not. I see the Bills being a good fit. I think it would. I would like to see him go to the Bills. I see the Steelers being a good fit. Oh man, is TJ and JJ on the same team? His brother's already there. Yeah. And he, oh, that would Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is kind of the JJ Watt type of city. Same I thing do, with Green Bay, Wisconsin. I do remember distinctly watching a Pittsburgh game this year, and just like well, I think it was Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. And dude, TJ Watt, just I was watching him the entire game. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't watching anything else. I was watching the game for Cleveland because I wanted to see Nick Chubb. Yeah. But I couldn't keep my eyes off of TJ because it was just 
he was absolutely bullying any offensive line that stepped in front of him. Yeah. And, dude, if you got him and J.J. on the same team, yeah. on opposite sides, like, yeah. if Pittsburgh was already good this year. It, it would be what we saw in the Super Bowl every week. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be scary. It'd be crazy. I, I hope the Titans are able to to finagle him to Nashville, but I don't see that happening, and I don't think that's the best fit, best fit for him. Um, but moving on. Um, real quick, I just wanted to mention, uh, and this would be our last one, right? Or do you have one more? I have one more. Okay, he has one more. Uh, but I just wanted to talk real quick about uh, Vincent Jackson, the passing of Vincent, Vincent Jackson. Came to a shock, uh, came as a shock to me, uh, and I think a lot of other people around sports. Uh, he died at only 38 years old. I mean, he hasn't been out of the sport very long, and it's it's really a, a tragic thing. Uh, it really sucks, honestly. Uh, I wasn't a huge Vincent Jackson fan, but. For somebody of that magnitude, and I mean, for anybody to pass away is awful, but for him to pass away so young, and he has daughters, I believe we heard two, correct? I believe so. Uh, they're both young, and it's just, it's it's really sad, uh, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that very quickly. That was one of my topics. But. Yeah, uh, 6'5", 230 pound wide receiver. Um, coming out of Northern Colorado, drafted in 2005 in the second round, uh, 61st pick by the Chargers, um, played for the Chargers from 05 to 2011, then played for the Bucks from 2012 to 2016. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, um, had a total of 9,080 receiving yards with uh, 57 touchdowns. Um, not a, like, just wow stellar career. He didn't wow you. Uh, with stats, but he wowed you with how he played. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you needed somebody to catch a ball, he was going to do it. Yes. I mean, when you're six five two thirty. Yeah. I mean, that's a almost a tight end. Yep. And playing playing wide receiver because he was that fast. He was he was able to either run by guys to run by got run some. Excuse me. Run by some guys. Um, and then bully others. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, like we've talked with corners in the past, like corners are small anyways, and when you got a guy that big, he can bully anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely a shock and a, a, a sad day that yeah. uh, for, the, for the NFL and his family. Um, moving on, our last Round the Horn segment, um, Daytona 500 – was, in my opinion, an uneventful one, um, to say the least. Um, Except for the end. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, it was uneventful because, like, it, the first 15 laps, everybody got out of the race. Exactly. I would just like to ask Kyle Busch my 15 bucks back. Um, he took out, I believe, four of, like, six or seven guys that I was betting on, so... Um, yeah, I would like that, uh, 15 bucks back Kyle Bush. Just, uh, Venmo it to me, please, sir. Thank you very much. Um, I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, probably. Um, he better. It was, uh, again, like 
15, they, they, they ran 15, 13 to 15 laps, then had a nine-hour rain delay. And so then when it resumed, it was, you know, shoot, probably a little bit past 10 o'clock. And mm-hmm. so at that time, one, it was a totally different race, which was cool to see. But then once you got into stage racing and you got into the that second stage, mm-hmm. that the the aero package that they have on these cars for super speedway races is non really just not great because it's non-conducive to pack racing. It's really conducive for uh, single file racing. Yeah. All right. That's so, why restrictor plates have really sort of, I don't like watching them anymore. And why, and why I say it's not good for pack racing is what we saw with Kyle Busch. Um, he got a huge run um, on down low on Eric Almirola was able to get on his bumper, and then just push around him, uh, right into or excuse me, run into Eric Eric Jones, and then ran him into Eric Almirola, which started that big crash uh, at the beginning of the race that took out half the field or uh, close to it, and so you've you've got I know, and I'm sure these guys are dragging the brake the whole way down the back stretch to prevent some of that, but it's still. When you're in that tight, in that much uh, space and air, um, it's really hard to just keep really stay straight and not uh, veer off and really uh, uh, take out cars around you, or again get a get a huge run and end up hitting somebody in, in the in the back. Bumper. Right, and when you're going that fast too, I mean, you get a side draft. You know, something happens where you know you get loose in the back end because. Of that draft or something, I mean, it could, it just turns into more wrecks and stuff like that. The last, so I wanted to uh, sort of add on to that. The last little bit, uh, and I've had conversations with friends and stuff about this. Last lap, the teammates wrecking each other uh, for the win. Uh, A little bit of me, I'm like, you know, that sort of sucks for them. But, dude, it was Keselowski that was in second and Logano in first, correct? Yeah. Yeah. If I'm Keselowski, and I'm not a fan of either of them, but if I'm Keselowski, I'm doing the same effing thing. I'm trying to win a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm Logano, yeah, I don't want him to pass me, and I'm trying to block him. But, dude, he wrecked himself. Look. Logano in that scenario just has to be a better blocker. Yeah, exactly. Um, he got outmaneuvered. Yeah. Part of it is your spotter. Part of it is looking in your mirror and predicting where that's going to go, uh, what's going to go down there. Um, it, it just all combined into one big fireball. Um, and, yeah. Well, and when, when he got outmaneuvered, he didn't like it. You know, and was frustrated and was like, no, I'm not going to let you pass me. And he expected for Keselowski to just give him the race. And I don't think that's right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, would it have been nice to finish one, two? Sort of. But if I'm Keselowski, I'm going for the win. Yeah. So Keselowski won that race right there when he went for that pass. Logano's won a 500. Keselowski has not. Yeah, and I mean, like, when you—I mean, when you get outmaneuvered, it's like you 
as far as racing goes, you almost sort of have to be like, well, crap, I lost that right there. But then instead, you cost spots for everyone else at the front of the pack. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Which, I realize you don't care about that because you're trying to win the race, but, I mean, you just cost... Not only now, you know, you're expecting for him to give you the win, you know, and him finish second, but now, instead of giving him the win the other way around because you would have finished second and he would have finished first. Yeah. Now you wrecked everyone. You wrecked him. You wrecked you. You Nobody that you wanted to win won. You know, it just turned into a poop shoot. It did. <laughs> Very quickly. All right, so let's go uh, back to the stock market this week and buy, sell, or hold. Woo! I'm going to give you a quick one real quick. Um <laughs> EA Sports has come out with their new college football game. Yep. Um, probably towards 2022 or 2023 um, before it comes out. It's but waiting too long. Yeah. Um, so, my question to you, will the will the new EA Sports college football game be as good or better than NCAA 14? Uh, yeah, so it does scare me that EA is making it because, I mean... EA Sports, it's in the game, but I mean, it ain't. It's the same game every year. Uh, look at FIFA and look at Madden, and I mean they done a good job with it back back when in NCAA fourteen. But uh, that that's the only thing I am excited for it, and I will get it. Uh, I'll probably if I could pre order it right now, I would. Um, There's yeah. two main things that scare me. And that is, number one, that it's going to be on the Frostbite engine, which is the same engine that Madden is on right now. And number two, I'm really, really scared that it's, that Dynasty mode is going to be very watered down from what it was. And I feel like it may may even be like a copy and paste of Franchise and Madden, um, but obviously the draft being uh, recruiting, um, and, and you're not going to be able to set a schedule. It's just going to be... So watered down to the point where it's almost not even... It's just Madden with a mod. Yes, and I hope that's not what it is. I really don't. Well, EA's proven that they can be that lazy, so hopefully it's not. I might not pre-order it just because of EA. I might see what it's like before that. Um, I mean, I would like to be one of the first ones to have it, but I would also not like to waste my money. Yeah. So, but... Uh, so buy, sell, or hold on that. On what? Uh, reiterate your question one more time. Yeah, will the new EA game be as good or better than fourteen? So you're asking me if I like buy the yeah it, do, that it will be. Do you buy that it will be? Oh, I, I sell. Yeah, yeah. Um. I do as well because of just the fact of EA. Well, the old, the NCAA 14 is better than the new Madden. Yeah. Like the way it plays, the way, like, yeah. 100%. Um, all right. So my first buy, seller hold. Going on with the topics of J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt stays healthy enough 
to help a team to the playoffs slash championship? Uh, bye. You said you said uh, stay healthy enough. Mm-hmm. Um, staying healthy enough, in my opinion, is playing uh, eight games in the regular season and then playing the playoffs um, because unless he's going to a lesser team, um, let's just say the Cardinals, for example, where you probably will have to get 12 games out of him. Um, again, for example, to reiterate my point, if he goes to the Bills or the Packers, they're only you know they're already good. They are they've already won 10, 12, 13 games this past season without him. So you just add that he can he can go out there play eight games, win those eight games, stay healthy, get into the postseason, and run the table there in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my reasoning. So why I'm buying that. Um, I'm gonna hold on it. I think I think you. Definitely make a great point uh, as far as enough, the wording of my question. I think that's that's good. Uh, yeah, I'm holding because I don't know. I don't know if he was getting hurt, if he's just a player that gets hurt, or if he was getting hurt because he was trying so hard to, like maybe his back was hurt from carrying the team, you know, but yeah, I'm going to hold. Go ahead. All right, yeah, so we'll go back to what we were talking about earlier um, with the NL East projections. Uh, Basel or hold that the Mets make the playoffs. Not that they win the division, but the Mets make the playoffs. Uh, The Central is sort of down this year as a whole. Yeah, I really don't. The West, though, is sort of tough. I really don't see a... Team outside of the division winner in the Central making it. The West, on the other hand, could have three teams in. Yeah. I, just out of spite, I'm going to sell. <laughs> I, I, I think that this early, that they're being like, oh, they're going to win the East, no doubt. I think that it just, it's a big jinx. I'm not that superstitious, at least anymore. You're just a little stitious. I'm a little stitious. But uh, I think you could see the Mets be one of those teams that everybody's like, oh, the Mets are good, and they're not winning games. And then halfway through the season, they're like, wait, they're going to turn it around. The Mets are good. And then at the end of the season, they're like, oh, see, we told you they were good, just not as good as we thought that they were. And they didn't make the playoffs, but yeah. Um, so you look at the NL West, and obviously it's the Padres and Dodgers. They're one and two. The third team, you think about it, it's not the Giants uh, yet. It could be the Diamondbacks, but I really don't see it. Mm. It could be the Rockies, but they just got rid of Nolan Arenado and yeah. paid paid the Cardinals fifty million, but. I mean, so you're they are they did get a lot of prospects in return, so that could be something. If, I don't know if it, if it's going to help them this year, but again, I think the Rockies and the the Cardinals are probably those two teams that are going to challenge the Mets for that second wild card spot if it goes the way we think it will go in the National League, and that is the the Braves winning the East, the Brewers winning the Central, uh, Dodgers and Padres at the top of the West. So. Um, 
my well, the easy way know. out the easy way out for me would be to hold, but I'm going to buy right now that they're going to make the playoffs because okay. for the simple fact of them being able to beat the Cardinals right. and beat the Rockies. Uh, and I want to point out something. I think that a lot of uh, this Mets talk is sort of just basing it off of like. I think they're seeing the Mets right now as the NL East version of the Padres. I think it's very fair that you could say that the Padres are building a team to compete with the Dodgers. I don't think it's fair to say that the Mets have done as much as the Padres. You know? But yeah. anyways, on to mine. Uh, so buy, sell, or hold that Chase Elliott wins at the Daytona Road Course this weekend. He is very good at road courses. Yeah, he. Uh, besides the one issue where his, uh, I believe his brakes locked up at uh, either the Charlotte Roval or the Daytona uh, Road Course last year. Um, he is, as you said, pretty darn good at road courses. I will probably. That's a tough one. Um, because I mean, I in, think he's everybody's favorite pick. Yeah. Which I don't, I'm not a huge favorite pick kind of guy. Uh, I like the underdog more so. I don't think like, like everybody's like, oh, the Yankees are going to win the World Series, but they never do. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to, I'm going to buy on that. I, I think Chase could do it, especially, you know, coming off of his championship season last year and, yeah, I, I I think that it would be very fitting that he wins it. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to see how many wins he has um, at uh, road courses. Um, and I believe I'm seeing something where he could beat uh, Jeff Gordon's record of consecutive road course wins this year. And so, yeah, Chase Elliott wins fourth straight road course in Charlotte Roval. Um, That was last year in the playoffs. So I don't know what Jeff Gordon's um, record is, but he's won four in a row to this point. So uh, to to your point, to answer that question, I'll go ahead and buy as well. So... All right. My last one, buy, sell, or hold, the Dodgers will um, set the record for most wins in a season. Um, I'm going to sell, and I'll tell you why. The Padres. Uh, if the Padres – I think that the Dodgers are good enough, but I think that their division just got – Really tough at the wrong time for that to happen. So I'm going to sell on that. Yeah, I did as well. I, they did get, get Josh Turner back, which is very huge. Yeah, yeah, very big for that team. Um, by the way, the record for most wins in a season is the uh, 2001 Seattle Mariners at 116 wins mm. in a 162 game season. So, dude, on MLB the Show, I've won 120 games with my my <laughs> player. Um, actually. On the Dodgers, and this, I don't like the Dodgers. This was actually also set by the 1906 Chicago Cubs. Oh. Uh, 116 wins 
and 36 losses. And the Mariners had 116 wins and 46 losses. Um, the Cubs lost in the World Series, and the Mariners lost in the ALCS. Um, I, you know what? Come to think about it, on the show, I lost in the NLCS, too, whenever we won 120 <laughs> games. it! That's a curse. Um, to your point, uh, I have the exact same philosophy or thought process. I'm settling on this because of the Dodgers. The Dodgers, or excuse me, because of the Padres, I believe the Padres are going to be able to take a lot of wins away from the Dodgers mm. um, that they would have had uh, else in other years. So um, they're going to be a very good team. They're going to be right at 100, maybe even a little over 100, but I don't think they're going to set the record for most wins in a season. If this, if they had the same team this year that they did probably three, four years ago, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all I have. Um. All right, so for my last one, uh, and we talked about Gus Malzahn a little bit. Uh, this is something that we didn't touch on uh, necessarily a whole lot. So, buy, sell, or hold that Gus Malzahn gets the best recruits UCF has ever had. And let's, I don't know their best, I probably should, their best recruiting class, but I know that they've been in the 60s and 70s in the past few years as far as national ranking. And I think Gus Malzahn has had to compete against Alabama and Georgia. And, I mean, because Auburn is, like, right on the border. So he's had to compete with them and other SEC schools around. Uh, I don't think it's going to be hard for him in the center of Florida to find talent. I mean, better talent than he has ever, that UCF has ever seen. Uh, it's, it's hard for UCF because there is so many schools around, but there are so, so much, there is so much talent in the state of Florida that there is plenty to go around. And if he can start, uh, keeping those kids home from uh, from going other places like a Clemson or a Georgia or a Tennessee or, you know, going north. I think he can out-recruit anybody who's at USF. Yeah. Uh, which is a big rival for him. Uh, I, I think he can out-recruit. Heck, I think he can out-recruit FSU right now. Um. Yeah, with the way FSU's going, it, yeah, yeah, he definitely could. Heck, with Dan Mullen, I mean, he's not really recruiting too good right now. He might be able to take some recruits from Dan Mullen. Yeah, especially if he wins a lot of games. I mean, so to your point, in 2015, and the reason I go back that far is because in 2017 they really had that big jump in uh, performance. Mm-hmm. 2015, their recruiting class was 75th. 2016, their recruiting class was 61st. 2017, their recruiting class was 55th. Which was high for them. Yeah, they're, they're like they're climbing, right? Um, 2018. Oh, it goes down. 2018, let's see here. It's in the 60s. I know, I have it in my notes somewhere, but... 62. Yep. All and right. it goes down from there because Josh Heupel. Right. And like... And I, Josh Heupel is kind of like 
um, the coach, Brian Harson that he didn't do anything to hurt the program, but he didn't do anything to elevate the program um, after, uh, in this case, Scott Frost. And then in 2019, uh, it was uh, the 60th ranked class. So just looking at those numbers, I'm buying that, that Malzahn will be able to crew at a better level than that right there. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's had to practice. Right. So now we're starting – a new segment that we have never tried out, but we're going to do it anyways. So, as you know, if you've listened to us before, we both have played baseball our entire lives. Uh, sports in general, but mainly stuck with baseball. That's what we uh, went to school to do. Uh, of course, we went to learn, but, I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> we didn't go there to play school. No. I mean, not we did go to a very prestigious uh, a, uh, academic school, which was really tough. But, anyways, Milligan Col- or Milligan University now. Look it up. Uh, but you know, it, it, growing up playing, and you really. You really get a sense of just chatting with the guys and stuff like that. And we thought it would be fun to sort of give you a little look into the bullpen. You know, that's what this show's named after and uh, sort of the reason we we bring that up as our name is because you, whenever you're in the bullpen, you're waiting for innings upon innings to get your number called and whatever. So what do you do? You eat sunflower seeds, you chew bubble gum, and you sit there and talk with some of your closest friends. Uh, Sometimes, like you said, for hours on end. Yeah. I mean, you might have a nine-inning game, you know, on a good day, or it might be a doubleheader where you either have two sevens or you have two nines. Goodness, two nines takes forever. And... For me personally, I was a one inning, two inning guy or one inning per game. So I'm waiting for, let's say if if we're playing two nines, I'm waiting 18 innings, right? So I'm only getting action in two of those innings. So I'm sitting on the bench for 16, for 16 of those innings. So, I mean, it's, it's nice to sit there and just, uh, shoot the crap with your friends, you know, and, and th- there's multiple things you do to pass time. You know, we might sit there, we might talk about sports, we might talk about girls, we might talk about uh, just little games we play or, uh, I mean, anything but the game, really. <laughs> you know, you, your coach always wants your head in the game, but it's hard to keep your head in the game for that long. Uh you can talk trash about the other team. Uh, you talk about, I mean, we talk about school, anything like that. So that's what we sort of wanted to bring to you guys. Uh, you know, not only do a lot of people that are not in baseball not know how it is, but even people that are in baseball, maybe an outfielder, you know, they're not in the bullpen. They, you know, maybe they're riding the bench sometimes. You know, they're bench riders but in in the bullpen you get into some funky topics i mean uh my junior year 
our junior year of college uh, ball, you know, I I had that surgery and was out for a little bit of it, but I was still in the bullpen, so I literally just sat there and talked and we played games and whatever. You might talk about a pitch or you might talk about – you know, you might even get bored and just be like, hey, let's toss, let's stay loose. It might be freezing cold here in East Tennessee, or if we go up to Bluefield, uh, shout out to my boy Tater. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, you, you just talk about all sorts of different stuff. You might complain about anything. Complaining's always fun. It makes the time pass, but... Anyways, if we want to get into it, I mean, we can just give them a little snippet of what, I mean, what it's like. I mean, just sort of ramble and talk about interesting stuff that we talk about. Yeah, I'd say what's called bullpen talk. Well, like you said, do hopefully the exact same thing that we do in the bullpen, and that's talk about whatever's on the mind at the moment, you know, so... um. So, I mean, like, one thing we were even talking about was, like, okay, y'all can't see it, but I got this baseball right here. Uh, It's something that we like to talk about is, like, pitches and stuff like that, maybe working on pitches, so, like, just different grips. So, if you imagine a baseball, you know, you got your wide seams, you got your narrow seams, and, like, I don't know, what do you throw your breaking ball off of? I throw it off of you're going across the highway here uh, off of this horseshoe. And by the way, the highway, for those that um, are listening, is uh, the narrow seams. So my hands are going across those narrow narrow seams. With his thumb on the smooth, I would guess, right? Yes, with my thumb on the bottom horseshoe and then my um, middle finger and pointer finger on the uh, top horseshoe. And then that's that's my curveball. Yeah, and uh, yeah, not me, not me. I I I I know a lot of people. You know, they throw their curveball like that. Uh, I don't. I I I did throw my slider like that, which was sort of tough because I don't understand for the life of me why I would change my slider grip and my curveball grip if they're both breaking balls, and I sort of throw them both the same. My slider was more like a sweeping curve than a slider, but I definitely went like a fit both of my fingers on the highway narrow and just instead of going across the highway, I was going straight down the highway. Yeah. And just breaking it off that way. And so two things my my hand was um the the palm of my hand or excuse me the I guess my the crest of my hand there at the beginning of my fingers down the here. The balls of your hand. Yeah, the balls of my <laughs> hand was um, they were they were on the highway, so it's not like my fingers were on the highway. Right, 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 right. And so um, when I threw, also when I threw my curveball, one thing that I knew or when I knew I had a good a good pitch was when it came off of the side of my index finger. Right. So when I when you break it off. If it comes off, like just comes off of both fingers, yeah, kind of like, eh, it didn't didn't get that big of a bite. Yeah, you could get that feel, right? But when I knew when I felt it come off of my index finger, and I really flicked that flicked it off my index finger, that's when I knew I got a good break on it. 
Yeah, um, I, and, I felt that a lot. Like, I can definitely feel it with this ball. Like, the high seams, dude. Yeah. And I know, like, whenever you move up, you get, like, lower seams and stuff. Like, major league guys don't have hardly, I mean, their seams aren't raised at all. And rightfully so, because if they did, I would not step in the batter's box <laughs> against Chris Sale. Uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, but, dude, I loved, like, these high seams on this baseball – I could absolutely break some people's ankles with this thing. Yeah, seriously. Like, oh, man, I love high seams on a baseball because you can absolutely rip it down. I don't even have to put my pointer finger on the ball. Like, I can just yep. rip it down. And, and uh, I mean, I throw – I didn't throw very hard, but I would get blisters on my fingers so easy – from throwing fastballs, curveballs, and I mean blood blisters, just oh bad, and I'd cut them and go out there and try and pitch. And, and so you're talking about the slider as well. Um, what I suggested to a lot of people that were asking me how to throw a slider, I would say the exact same grip. Um, oh, I know exactly how you're supposed to throw it, but I didn't throw it that way. <laughs> so. I would say the exact same grip as my curveball, you know, across the highway, uh, your bottom thumb against that horseshoe or against the seam on that horseshoe, finger, your, your two fingers at the same place except rotate them just a little bit to where your middle finger is on one side of this seam and your pointer finger is on the other side. And instead of breaking it off like, like a curveball, Almost just swiping it. Yeah, you're like, like a presetting your wrist. Just a little bit, yeah. See, that's how it was explained to me is like sort of preset your wrist. But, see, I, I'm a firm believer in like every pitcher's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you see a lot of the, the same like mechanic stuff taught. And the basic mechanics need to be there. Yeah. You know, like staying back and everything like that. But... As far as, like, you being a pitcher, you need to know what you do and what you do well. And I knew what made me tick, and, you know, I just, like, I could feel what was wrong and feel what was right. Uh, If I threw a, if I hung a curveball, which curveball was my best pitch, if I hung a curveball, I knew exactly why. And I would throw it until I got it right. If yeah. I was in the bullpen or whatever, warming up. But it, it's all a feel thing for me. You know, I was I I would look at the mitt, throw at the mitt, but it was honestly it's not like I could close my eyes and throw. But I wasn't really reliant on looking. It was all feel for me. It was release point because I tried to come. So I come straight over top, right? So, like, I knew that if I wanted to enter out, I could change my arm angle just barely slightly, like a few degrees. And I, I'm not calculating degrees, but I knew you can feel where you move your arm to. But mainly, if I just wanted it to go straight down the middle, I just came straight over top. And then it's all release point. At that point, it's do I want it high, do I want it low? And that's honestly how I threw my strikes. If I needed a strike, it was come straight over top, release at your right point, you're good. It's all a feel. Curveball, 
I knew if I got to that point, break it off, I could start it high, start it low. It it was nasty. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, uh, I could only throw it at one plane, but it would sort of, I don't know, it was so nasty that people wouldn't hit it. But I do remember in every uh, major tryout that I had for like a big travel team or to get a, a shot to go to Milligan or whatever, I do remember that I had awesome bullpens every single time. And they'd be like, hey, bounce a breaking ball. And I'd bounce a breaking ball. And they'd be like, oh, th- throw it a little high and outside. Throw it a little high and outside. I mean, just dotting it up. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm doing this. I'm not <laughs> this good, but I want you to think I'm this good. Yeah. But. I mean, for me, I, I pitched in high school um, and, and didn't pitch at all in college. Um, but for me, it was um, – for me, it was more of a, a looking as well as uh, getting a feel. Like you said, it, for you, it wasn't really picking up a spot and throwing to it. It was just release point. For me, it was picking up my spot and then adding that adding that release point uh, to the equation. Um, but, I mean, it's... it's all. I, I think it's really cool how pitchers are able to, like you said... Not only find what works for them, but then just change it um, completely, basically throughout the whole like I guess pitching world, right? Like one changeup is not the same as another changeup. Oh change no, up, dude! Usually, you got usually. you got a three finger changeup, you got a four finger changeup, you got a circle change, you got a palm ball, you got like. So uh, one thing, one of the reasons why I bring this up, I saw a. Um, TikTok, I believe, from Baseball Lifestyle, um, that was showing that Hunter Green was showing pitcher for the uh, Reds was showing his, massive hands. Yes, he was showing his yeah, like those his whole hand was engulfing the baseball. Yeah, um, but he was showing his grips, and so it was four seam cutter change up, and I think slurve. Okay, mm. and so obviously slurve's a nasty pitch. It dude. is. Curveball is not used enough in baseball anymore. No, it's usually sliders. Yeah, it's all sliders because it's all power. But, dude, if you can finesse that crap, like... Zach Grinke's is, in my opinion, one of the best right now. Oh, dude, do you know who has the best? And he's getting older. I don't think Verlander uses it as much. It's not what I'm going to say. I'm just saying it uses his. Um, yeah, he, he's went more to a slider. Yeah, it's, Verlander's definitely used. Uh, okay, the guy I said is or thinking of is probably went more to a slider now, but not really. But dude, Clayton Kershaw's curveball is just nice. absolutely just. Yeah, Kershaw uses his curveball, in my opinion, more than he uses a slider. But, yeah, um, uh, Max Fried has a nasty curveball. Yes. Max Freed uses it a lot as well. Yeah, he, in my opinion, he uses it a lot in in early counts, which is a very good trait to have. Because um, I mean, if you can flip over a curveball, oo, to get ahead, that sets you up in almost every every situation. Well, I I think I, I think the reason that we're sort of going away from curveballs is because we're getting so many UCL pops. Yeah. Uh, I know personally that's what hurt my UCL. 
Uh, I, that wasn't the pitch I threw whenever I uh, hurt my UCL, but I know throwing 60 curveballs in a 90-pitch game hurt my UCL. Right. Uh, woo, high school baseball. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, slider sort of takes it off of it. Unless you throw your slider like I do. You want to know how I throw my slider? Yeah. Let's see how I throw my slider. So I, I go – like on the horseshoe, like what you were talking about on the side of the horseshoe, right? Yeah. But, okay, so like I said, it's all about arm angle for me. And this is why it, I didn't like to throw it a whole lot. I knew I had it, and I used it more in high school than in college because I didn't like the result that I got out of it. It was nasty. Yeah. Right? And, like, it was nasty to the point where – even though I'm showing you what's coming, it's probably good enough that maybe you're probably not going to hit it. And I'm not saying like I was like the best pitcher ever. I'm just saying like breaking balls with my stuff. I didn't throw hard. I was like maybe 80, you know? So I didn't throw hard. I was a lefty. I had some junk. I didn't have a change up. I had a breaking ball. That's about what I had. Yeah. Uh, and I could throw strikes. Uh, but so instead of coming straight over top, so even when my curveball sort of came straight over top, my, my elbow was just crooked. Yeah. Right. And then I pulled down across. So it was all about the pull down for me too. Like, uh, if, if I was throwing a fastball and I've got pictures of it, uh, I'll post it. I'll post those pictures on our Twitter. If you all are listening right now, I'll post those pictures on our Twitter uh later and get you show you whatever but uh so on my fastball you could always see my release uh i'm coming straight down almost touching my ankle uh, on my curveball you could tell because i was like touching my hip which is what you want to teach your kids to do if you're teaching them to throw a breaking ball but my slider dude my slider instead of coming like over top with a crooked elbow and across to my hip, I was more sidearm. So this is why I say it, it was more of a feel. Well, it was more of a, uh, a sweeping curve. That so my curve was not necessarily twelve six. It was more like nasty ten to four. Yeah. Like it was, but when I threw my slider. It was more nine to six, like not yeah, or, not nine, or nine, nine, nine to six, like. Nine to I guess nine to four. I guess, but like at a wider range, so it didn't break as tight as my curveball. It had a long sweeping sideways curve, so like it would be in the left-handed batter's box and move to the inside of the plate. Uh, but I would definitely like, I would come instead of coming over with a crooked elbow, I'm coming out more with not necessarily a sidearm, but it's more three quarter than over top. So that's why I didn't like to throw it a lot because the arm angle changed. And so you could see what was coming. I was about to say, I know, I know in, in college when I was hitting, one of the easiest, two of the easiest things to tell was a change-up when a guy would lead with his wrist. Yeah. So, when what I mean for listeners, when I when you when I mean what I mean by 
leading with your wrist on a changeup is some guys like to almost push a changeup out of their hand yeah. instead of flicking a changeup, especially if it's a circle change. They like to push it a lot. Um, but in all reality, whether it be a three-finger or a changeup, you should at least um, have it stay out like a fastball. You may not want to flick a three-finger, yeah. but you definitely want to flick a, a circle change instead of pushing it. But anyway, um, when you lead with the wrist as a pitcher, it flashes that wrist, and for me, as a as a hitter, I know automatically that it's at least off speed, right? And then you look at um, uh, you recognize the spin on the baseball to whether to know to know whether it's a slider or changeup. But anyway, um, two, that was one, and then two is arm angle. Um, I, I think what hurt me on my changeup was I got little hands. That yeah, and that's uh, like James Sauls, dude. Oh, Cam Sauls. Yeah. That man's changeup was absolutely just the like pull a string. It's gonna drop off the table. You're not gonna like. You're not gonna hit it. Pull a string, Bugs Bunny. But I mean, at, at I mean, it would look normal, and then it would just almost like you pulled the seams off the ball and unravel. Yeah, but I mean, that's what Ryan Young did to those two fastballs in his in those scrimmages. I mean, shoo. Goodness, I don't know if we have to talk about that too much. but It's uh, all right. I gave up some long home runs, too. <laughs> oh, let's talk about those, man. Okay, enough about all that crap. Let's talk about some long home runs I yeah. gave up. So I didn't give up a lot of home runs, but when I did, boy, boy did they fly. Boy, were they goodens. Oh, man, so. I mean, we could, we could probably start with the first one in high school. Okay, well, I mean, I gave up a home run in Little E. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I'm just talking about the long ones. Yeah, the the one in high school. So we were playing <laughs> Farragut. So we went to Daniel Boone High School in Washington County, Tennessee, which is in East Tennessee. So right, like North Northeast Tennessee, uh, 45 to an hour away from Bristol Motor Speedway. Right. So we're close to Knoxville and stuff. So we went to Farragut, and if you know anything about high school baseball in Tennessee or nationally. Uh, Farragut is a very good team. I think at the time they were number one in Tennessee and I think number one in the – or number nine in the country. Yeah, to give you a little perspective, um, I believe their infield left to right were um, a Tennessee commit at third, uh, Carolina, South Carolina at shortstop, Tennessee at second, and maybe uh, North Carolina at uh, I think North first. Carolina was at second. At second, okay. Because that's the one I gave a home run up to. Yeah, you're right. And then behind the plate was also either Tennessee or South Carolina commit. All right. Um, out, outfield was the same way, but I couldn't tell you who, um, where they were, where where they were committed to, um, but continue. Uh, so I, I didn't feel like I had pitched a, a bad game. Uh by the time I came out, I had given up a lot of runs, but it was because of that one home run. Right. Uh, I had given up four runs to that point to a very good team, and we were still in the game. Uh, I threw a lot, a lot of sweeping curves, that a lot of sliders. Yeah. Uh, and they weren't really hitting it. You know, it, it was just some of the fastballs that I left right down the pee hole was – I mean, you're gonna it's gonna get smacked. Uh, but I remember that I remember two balls before the ball that got hit out um, that hit very hard and very quick off that left field fence. 
Um, and those were probably fastballs that you were yeah talking about. And I can't remember if it was a break. No, I think it was a fastball that I threw. And I remember it going right. I mean, like I couldn't have put it any more center down the middle. And this man that was committed to North Carolina. Okay, so Farragut. Let let me explain Farragut's field. So Farragut had it was probably like three twenty five straight down left field, uh, and moving out to what three seventy three seventy five, and then center was probably three ninety. Yeah, ish. So a deep field for uh for high school. High school. Uh, the wall was probably about ten feet high, probably about 25-foot trees behind that wall. No, I think the wall is a little taller. You think? Yeah, I mean, none of us could jump that high. I can't jump 10 feet anyway. Yeah, probably not. But I, <laughs> I don't... I, just, I remember it being a little bit taller, but that could be because of the evergreen trees behind it. Yeah, um, the evergreen trees were tall. They were 25 to 30 feet. I mean, they were... So tall. let's just say 40 to 50 feet in total height. All right. And okay. now let's talk about what is behind that because, well... Yeah, because the reason for the trees and the reason for the uh, angle of I'm that just, wall... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm explain, trying to paint a picture in your mind. Yeah. Where this ball went. Yeah. So, okay, so by, beyond the trees, of course, there's a little bit of grass, right? But we don't have to mention that. There is a four-lane, and then there is a Kroger parking lot in the Kroger, right? Uh, They found the baseball, like it was hit on a line over the trees. So I released the ball straight down the middle. Boom, hits it. My neck whipped around so fast that it almost broke. (laughs) And I knew for a fact that ball was gone. And I knew for a fact that was the longest ball I had ever seen hit at that point in time. (laughs) (laughs) And I I was just watching it and I saw my left fielder sort of running and I was like, just stop. (laughs) Which happened? That happened again. Yeah. <laughs> Which it didn't take him long to stop, and I was just like, "Wow, is it gonna come down?" No, it's still going. I mean, it, they it, came it, back. It came down. At the end of the game, I found out that they found the ball in the Kroger parking lot. <laughs> it went over the fence, over the trees, over the four lane, and into the Kroger parking lot. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was something, man. I mean, I don't really remember uh, like the swing or like ball flight or anything. You know, I I just know it went over the fence, over the trees, over the four lane, into the parking lot. So oh, also the bases were loaded. Yeah, I forgot to mention that, which is why I came out of the game after that. I tipped my hat to the kid, and he just big legged me. You know, I was trying to be a good sport, but he, I mean, he had every right to just unzip and let it hang. But anyways, on to the next great home run. So my senior year of high school, I partially tore my UCL and strained my flexor tendon. 
So I was out. So that was in my first game my senior year. I didn't play the rest of the year except for running bases because my arm was hurt. Um, flash forward, uh, end up going to Milligan uh, despite injury and got there, sort of re-injured myself a little bit trying to come back. Uh, sort of sidelined me a little bit more, but by the time season rolled around, I was ready to go. Still wasn't able to throw that many pitches, but I was okay. So this was, I didn't get a lot of game experience in, in scrimmages or nothing leading up to this. And so first collegiate game, of course it wasn't, it was, uh, our freshman team, our JV team team we were our B team whatever you want to call it I thought this was our sophomore year no this was freshman year it was my first oh no no, no. I know which one you're talking about yeah never mind. yeah again. okay now you know I give up long home runs because Joe's getting them confused <laughs> um I, I don't I, give up many I didn't I honestly I'd forgot I'd forgotten this one yeah so my very so I get in the game we're so we're playing Walter State who is a very high-level junior college team. And even though they were the same age as us, they are heads and tails better than us. I mean, they're just... Right right now, they are uh, voted in top ten in preseason polls uh, by many preseason polls. So Yeah. Nationally, nationally. Yeah, they are a very good junior college team. Uh, And, like... To put it in perspective, when we walked in the dugout, and I don't know if they were trying to intimidate us or what, but they had their roster up on the wall, which is not abnormal to see, right? Especially for a JV game. Right. They had their roster posted on the wall so that we could see. But next to them, they had where they were committed to to go after Walter State. Yeah. And it was... Alabama, Tennessee, uh, South, South Carolina, Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee. I mean, just SEC school, ACC school after, like, yeah. one after the other. Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, just insane. Just, yeah. And I'm not – I guess I'm just trying to make myself feel better. But, so, <laughs> the anyways, that game did not go that good for me. It was my first competitive game back. Uh and my very first pitch, I remember he was a left-handed batter, and I threw a fastball again. And I swear this pitch was so inside, it was over his knees. <laughs> I swear. And he turned on it, and that was the farthest ball I had ever seen hit. To that point. And, and then Townsend hit I one. Was, I was about to say that. I was getting ready to say, and then... Not like seven innings after that, we saw another ball that was hit, the farthest we'd ever oh, seen. Oh, that, that ball point. went 450 feet. No, like, no joke. Like, legitimately, no joke. Uh, and honestly, I couldn't even explain where this ball went because Walter State is kind of, that's a weird setup. I couldn't really explain to the viewers where this ball went. But uh, I heard that Elon Musk was, like, saw it in space. <laughs> No, this is that's the next one we're talking about. Oh no, that one came down. I saw where it came down. 
Yeah, at, the one at ETSU. That, yeah, that's that's very true. That at the uh, Hunter Townsend's ball, we never saw again. So it could be orbiting. Who knows? Um, uh, the one at ETSU. So let's talk about that. Okay. Uh, this kid that hit the ball off of Tyler was probably six four, six five. And this is my junior year. So- no, sophomore year. So it's the next year. Two- <laughs> 240, 250 pounds, uh, catcher going to South Carolina, or committed to South Carolina. He was a unit, dude. And, I mean, every time we played Walters, we were getting killed. And so it wasn't really fun for Don't say getting killed, because our freshman year, we almost won uh, that second game. The second one, yes. Yeah. But, anyway, so we had a bunch of... Guys, and they were not really doing too hot. We were giving up a lot of runs. And so I come in, and again, dude, very first pitch. So let, let's set this scene up a little bit. So one of my very best friends now, Bryson Folks, is playing left field. And Bryson is the hardest worker that you'll ever see, and he will – Try for every ball known to man. Like this man, if even if like Usain Bolt can't run this ball down, Bryson will attempt to run a ball down. Yep. Uh, so ETSU, uh, East Tennessee State University, we were playing there because I think our field was sucky. At the time, our field was probably underwater. uh, Underwater, you know. Not in the best of shape, you know. And ETSU had a turf field, and we had worked out to where we could play there, and we needed some games, so we played there. Well, I mean, it it works out for ETSU because they're able to recruit Walter State um, in that game, so. Right. And uh, anyway, so there's the regular height fence, I'd say about eight feet. Yeah. You know, padded fence that you'd see in a D1 college stadium. Uh, and then there was like an embankment beyond that, a little parking lot and a, uh, apartments behind that. Oh, U edge, uh, was behind that university edge. And there was also light poles in the outfield that I would say were around 75 feet. Huh. I mean, they were beyond the fence. They weren't in the outfield. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> but they were probably about 75 feet high. I mean, they're tall. Yeah, they were. They, uh, um... And then there's a huge Jumbotron out there, too. And they're over that Jumbotron. Yeah, so if, you, if we're going from the left field foul pole, you've got probably 50 feet until that <clears throat> first foul pole, or uh, light pole, excuse me. Maybe a little more, maybe about 75 and then that light pole is directly beside of the uh, jumbotron that's out there, and um, at, at this point I am in the bullpen for some reason, um, whether it be just hanging out or um, catching a, a, another pitcher that was going to come in, uh, one of the two. And um, you go ahead, um, keep in. Okay, so and set the scene. Our our problem. With this game was we were throwing a lot of balls. And then the strikes that we were throwing were getting hit. Uh, And there weren't many strikes being thrown. Uh, 
my sophomore year, I threw a lot of strikes, I feel like. I did walk some people, but I threw a lot of strikes. And uh, so I come in, and this kid steps up to the plate, big old righty. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to walk these guys. I'm not going to let them beat me by walking. You know, everybody else, like, not saying... I was never the guy that gave up on a game, but I was like, I'm going to let it hang. That was my mentality, you know, was... I don't throw hard, but I I had the mentality of a bulldog up there. So I was like, dude, if you hit it, you hit it. You know, I got I got seven guys out here that can catch, catch a ball. You know, a fly ball, ground ball. That's That was my game. Get ground balls, get fly balls. <clears throat> so, yeah, I was like, hit it. And he did. Um, <laughs> they they cannot catch it. Just for those of you that don't know baseball, they cannot catch it if the ball goes uh, so far over the fence. Well, they can't really catch it if it goes over the fence. They might be able to rob it. But when it's about 80 feet in the air, over the fence, there's no shot. Like, he hit this ball, and, okay, so the reason I introduced Bryson Falks is because Bryson love his heart, and I hope you're listening to this. I was literally, I saw the ball be hit, and I watched in amazement as this ball flew through the air. (laughs) And then I looked down. Because when you when you see a ball hit like that, at first you're like you you're like, well, is it just that high and is it is it gonna come down? Yeah, at first you're like, crap, that's gone. Second but then the second thought is like Well maybe not. Well maybe not because it's high and then your 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 outfielder. Yeah. Running. That that's what I looked at. So I looked down to see what Bryson was doing, to see what his reaction was. Yeah. And Bryson is on a dead sprint for the wall. I see his numbers. He's not even looking at the ball. He's just sprinting at the wall. And then I look back up at the ball, and I was like, oh. Don't don't even. I was like, Bryson, stop. <laughs> stop it right now. Stop. You're, you're, stop. Because you're going too far, dude. You're not going to get it. And all this is happening. And, like, legit, I'm thinking all this in real time. <laughs> that's how high this ball was. And I was like, just stop, Bryson. Just stop. Stop it, dude. And then I look down, and Bryson's still running, and he gets to the wall, and he looks up like he's going to rob it. And I was like, nah, dude, you ain't going to rob that. Superman couldn't rob that. <laughs> it almost hit the top of the light pole. It, it hit the lights. Like, the lights of the light pole. But then it bounced yes. on the parking lot and hit you, Edge. Like... Oh my gosh! What a long home run! Yeah, that's so. It, it, and to in, interject where I was, uh, we were down the left field line, same same place where this ball was hit uh, in the bullpen, and all I I didn't see the swing. I just heard the crack of the bat, and so I look over at Bryson, and like I said, he's sprinting, and so I'm like, okay, we got a chance, and then I hear pop, where the ball hit the light pole or excuse me, the ball hit the lights. And in the split second, I was thinking, Ryson, what are you doing? Or one, I was like, did that just hit the lights? Yeah. Like, again, because I didn't see the ball fight, I didn't see anything. And then two, I was like, wait a minute, if it hit the lights, Ryson, honey, what are you doing, buddy? 
save the energy, right? But <laughs> oh man, that the those are some definitely some good stories. And honestly, I don't know about you, man, but I I like this segment. Um, I think our I think the viewers will like it. I think we'll be able to do it again uh, very soon. I think. Yeah, I I, I like it. Uh, and like say our 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 goal in this is to sort of. So I was thinking about this while we were talking. It's almost like, okay, we got a freshman on the team and we're sitting in a bullpen with the freshman and we're just sharing our old stories with the freshman. And that's what you guys, you viewers are our freshmen that we're talking to, our new guy, our transfer in, our you know, our new buddy that we're trying to make, and we're just sharing old stories with you. Uh you know, and, and I think that hopefully is entertaining to you all. Uh Stick around for more of this because, like I say, I think we enjoy it. And I think uh, <clears throat> we'll even have some some better stories coming up. I think talking about my home runs that I gave up was pretty funny. But we'll, we'll, even, we'll get into even more. We've got a lot of stories and a lot better stories. Uh, we'll, we'll tell some funny jokes and, oh, gosh. Like, uh, and I hope that all of our friends, I'm going to say your name. If you don't want me to say your name, please contact me and tell me because I'm going to say your name because, and as a shout out and not to point out anybody, I won't say anything negative about anybody. Right. Right. Uh, but goodness, I just, I think it's funny because I, I, I don't know. Just, I, I want you guys to see the interaction that we would have in the bullpen. Honestly, and this is it. I mean, just open talking with the guys, you know, whatever. Yeah. All right, that'll be it for episode number four of Views from the Bullpen. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Like I said, uh, we had this uh, new segment that we that we enjoyed. Uh, we hope you did as well. Um, don't forget to uh, let us know what you thought about this new segment on not only Instagram but Twitter as well. Um, Tyler will be posting some content over there on Twitter uh, very soon, so go over and check that out. Uh, as well as the Instagram uh, account as well. Tyler, you got anything, any final words? Uh, not exactly. I mean, as far as the Twitter goes, uh, I need to get on that uh, and get those out there, start posting some more content. Uh, but anyways, uh, if you like our stuff, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody because we're trying to get this viewership up. Uh, I know we've talked to a few friends. We've told them to tell some people, but word of mouth can only go so far. So hopefully, you know, we spread this. If you really like us, you know, give us a shout out, you know, whatever. But, uh, uh, you know, just help us grow. If you have any tips for us, even tell us the tips. If you want us to talk about something, whatever, you know, we want we, we want this to be fan interactive, too. If you you know, want us to talk about a certain topic, tell us, you know, and maybe we can do like a, a fan section where we get comments from fans that they want to talk to us about, you know, this is just flying off the handle right here, but Hey, you know, if it gets more viewership, if it gets you guys more interested, we're all for it. So yeah, just, uh, help us enjoy it. You know, we enjoy doing this, but we want you all to enjoy it as well. And for you all to, like say we're doing this for you all we're doing it for us you know let's do a partnership let's do y'all are the new guys in the bullpen and we're here you know we're the juniors and 
seniors in the bullpen that are here to talk with you, you know, and just uh, shoot the bull, you know. Yeah, I think one of the main things there is just uh, add us on your story. Uh, when you see our, our posts come up, please add us on your story. Um, that'll help uh, not only um, us reach our viewers, but also, or excuse me, uh, your our followers, but also um, reach your followers as well. Hopefully um, spread the word about the bullpen. So thanks again for listening into the bullpen, and we'll see you next week here on Views from the Bullpen. <laughs>